The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Could you be in a toxic relationship and not even see the signs? This is far more common than you think. Today, on Tamar's Relationship Transformations, your host, author, and certified relationship coach, Tamar Neal, will expose the less talked about, but nonetheless, all important aspects of unhealthy and abusive relationships. You'll learn how to avoid being in one or how to get out of one. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the host or the show. Now, here's Tamar Neal. Hey! Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to have another exciting episode of Relationship Transformations. Okay, I'm excited about today's guest, the guest that's going to be on today's show. Today's guest is Minister Phyllis Trafton. In addition to being a servant of God and a student of the Word, she allows her faith to be extended to the professional and the community arena. Her call to serve those who think that they have to suffer in silence is one passion. Empathy, love, and a desire to see women overcome adversity through the Word of God and His practical application. She is committed to helping those who are struggling with adversity in their family settings and do not see a way out. Her books, Daddy's Little Girl and Mommy's Dreaded Seed, and The Suicide Survivor evolved out of a life that was consumed with pain, abuse, and the murder of her father to a life of an overcomer through Christ who restored her to wholeness and gave her beauty for ashes. Well, without further ado, please help me to give a warm welcome to Minister Phyllis Trafton. Hi, Minister Trafton. Well, hello, and thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for joining us. We are honored to have you on the show. Um, Before we get started, I just want to say this. I got to tell y'all this. Minister Trafton, I read your book, Daddy's Little Girl and Mommy's Dreaded Seed. I actually went in on a Kindle. It sounded so interesting. I went in on a Kindle and I started reading it immediately. But when I went in, it was sort of late, you know. So I went to sleep and I woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning. And that book was on my mind. So I went over into my woman cave. And I started back where I left off. And at some point, uh, Minister Trafton, I wasn't expecting this. You scared me at some point. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, that book should be a movie. You actually scared me. You scared me. And I don't scare that easy. I may go back and get in bed with my husband. But the book was so good, although she scared me, I had to keep reading it. You know, I couldn't stop. Well, that's that thing a blessing. Was, yeah, that thing was good to the last try. I mean, it was sad. It's a good, bad, sad because it's it it you know it touched every emotion. Unfortunately, it was a you know it was it was a true story. It was your story, but it almost seemed like it was a a movie. You know, it almost that's that's what I mean by good. I mean, it wasn't good what happened, but it was it was it was just well put together. And it, I mean, I'm having a hard time describing what I'm, I'm sure. I hope you understand what I mean when I say good. But it was a good read. How about that? Well, thank you. Well, mm-hmm. all things work together for the good of those. That's true. That is so true. Now, Minister Trafton, tell us. What made you write Daddy's Little Girl and Mommy's Dreaded Seed? Well, you know, as I started to write it, I realized that writing was a good healing for me. I I thought about it, and I'm thinking, one day I'm going to write my story. But when I realized, as I was writing Mommy's Dreaded Seed, I... I was healing at the same time, which let me know that I wasn't healed. It was just a scab on it. But Hmm. the more I wrote, the more I got delivered, the more I healed. So by the time I was at the end, I wasn't crying any longer because I started off with some tears. Right. Okay. Okay. You gave me a few uh aha moments already. I ain't even over Okay, so you started off with some tears when you were writing, so you were cleansing some things out. Yes, and, some and things what? had to be purged. Okay, so you, you're purging. That's a better word. So you're purging some things out, and I noticed the way the book started out, you actually took me back to uh, my childhood because you were talking about the good life growing up, playing marbles, hopscotch. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, did you play Skelly too? No, I didn't, but I did play a lot of jacks. Oh, yeah, I'm very Jackson. good at that. Oh, jacks and bat and ball and all of that. Uh, hula well, hoop. I was great at those things. Yeah, hula hoop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so you were talking about the good life when you were, um, just the way you named your, your book, Daddy's, um, my, uh, Daddy's little girl, little mommy's strategy. That that's a that title just just got my attention right off the bat. Now, why were you Daddy's little girl and mommy's dreaded seed? Why did you describe yourself that way? Hello. My daddy could do no wrong. He could okay. do no wrong in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Now. My mother, on the other hand, I, I was one of four. There was four other siblings. I was one of five. I was the baby, but I was his baby. So, you know, I grew up in a house where I didn't have to do chores. My older siblings had to do my chores for me. Mm-hmm. Not saying that that was right, but being a daddy's girl, I didn't have to remove my plate from the table. I had to do nothing for myself which caused a lot of controversy within the house with my siblings. Right, understandably so. 
And and this was just something I, I guess that was just the way that um, were you the baby? Were you the 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 baby of the yes. girls? Or? Yes, I was the baby of the family uh-huh. and very spoiled. Okay. Like I said, I could do no wrong in daddy's eyes. Okay. So then you noticed, since you could do no wrong in daddy's eyes, and I was reading where your sisters sort of had to clean up after you, and they had to, you really didn't have to to, um, do anything for yourself. Um, You noticed a storm that started brewing. Tell us about that when you noticed this storm brewing, because that that caused, caused, I I can imagine, a lot of animosity between the siblings. Okay. So not only did it cause animosity with the siblings, it caused a lot of problems with my mother. Mm-hmm. Okay, such because as what? Because my Give mother. Some... I'm sorry. No, such as what? Give us some examples of the animosity. Such as oh. she didn't. She didn't necessarily discipline me like she may have done my other siblings because she would have to deal with my dad when he came home. Okay. Uh, you know, that, that created a whole storm of problems with her thinking that I'm thinking I'm better than they are, better than anybody. You know, my siblings and I, we were good, but all of a sudden, as I got older, this really became a problem that, you know, you take a bath, but we have to wash out the tub. You get up in the morning, we got to make up your bed. You know, those type of things create problems, and when those problems started to heat up, my mother also noticed the difference also, and I started getting a lot of backlash from my mother and um, words of, I wish I never had you, words that not, were not very encouraging, but she was going through the pain of me being, uh, I was spoiled. Let me just put it like that. I was spoiled. Well, well Minister Trafton, you were also a child. You know, how old were you? Oh, we're talking about I was no more than five and six years old. Right, so a five or, or six year old, you know, I, I know that can be horrible being around a five, spoiled five or six years old. Year old can be a bit irritating. I don't like the word spoiled. It just simply means no good. So I'm just going to say, you know, we know what it is. But we got, we have about three minutes. I want you to tell us about the part where you noticed something that was going on with mom and and your dad ended up having to leave the family. In three minutes, do you think you can tell us what happened? Okay. I noticed that my mom would leave and go out. Well, now and then when she took me, she would meet up with this man. He was a nice enough man, but I'm thinking, no, this, this doesn't feel right. And as I saw that their closeness was going on, I felt uncomfortable, but no problem. We went back home. Well, my father had this habit of, at the end of the day, he would bring me parts of his lunch. My favorite thing was an apple and juicy fruit gum. I still love juicy fruit gum, though. But anyway, (laughs) he would take me downstairs, and he'd give me this, and we would talk. Well, he pulled me aside one day. He gave me my little treats, and I told him that Mommy had a friend and what his name was and that he had kissed Mommy, and that created a storm that didn't end for years. Oh, my goodness. I can imagine. So there you are chewing your juicy fruit, right? my juicy fruit. (laughs) (laughs) 
telling it all, chewing my juicy I mean, fruit. Something about a pack of juicy fruit make people do that, you know. <laughs> they got to <laughs> give me something it. juicy back, you know. So um, when we come back, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, uh, Minister Trafton is going to tell us about, because something happened. Your dad actually ended up having to leave the house, correct? Yes, Because it was a big fight. He had to leave the house. So when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to pick up where we left off. On that note, we're going to take a deep breath and a commercial. (sighs) Be right back, y'all. Don't go nowhere now. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. Build a better business, achieve that goal, make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You're listening to Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A neal.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Minister Phyllis Trafton, who is the author of Daddy's Little Girl and Mommy's Dreaded Sea. And I'm telling y'all, you got to go out there to Amazon and get that book. You will not be sorry. I'm not, I mean, I don't throw it out there like that for all books, but that book there did something to me. It touched every emotion. And you couldn't even speed read the book because you might miss something. Okay, (laughs) Minister Trafton, tell us about the big change that happened because, see, we're going to pick up where we left off. You kind of like, you snitched, right, on mommy. I did. You kind of told, but you were a five-year-old. So, right. so, mommy, what happens when dad, when mommy comes home? What, to get, get to that part, and then we'll take it from there. Well, when mommy comes home after I had dry snitched on her, of course, back in those days, you didn't say domestic violence, but that's pretty much what went down. My uh-huh. father was slapping my mother around. 
Um, it was really chaotic, a chaotic scene. We run upstairs, and all of a sudden, I had to get, all the kids were around. They didn't know what to do, and I'm the youngest, and I had to get my father off of my mother because he was choking her. So all I had was, back in those days, stilettos, and they were real pointy then. And I'm pecking, and I'm pecking at him, and all of a sudden, there's just blood everywhere. But the look on his face, I won't forget it to this day, was like, of all the people, you, that crushed me. But subsequently, after everything calmed down, my father left the house, but not to return. So there oh. were some big changes on that horizon. Wow. So, so when he left the house, um, tell us about, we want to hear about the, tell us about, now, I, I, now from, what you, from what I read in the book, your mother was not one to be slapped around either. So no, she tell, us, tell us about the big change that happened after your dad left the house and the move. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, after my dad left and my mom, you know, they wound up separating and we moved out. If I thought it was bad then, it was horrific at that point. There was nothing I could do right. Absolutely nothing for her. Um, I got basically abused. I got beat for everything, even if it had nothing to do with me, which opened up a can of worms to allow my brother to abuse me also. So things changed dramatically for me. Um, the sisters were already not happy. My one sister was more loving, but the other one wasn't. So they were not happy with this little kid that was now we're getting older now, you know. I'm getting older and they were just miserable with me because it's think, they're thinking, oh, okay, he's not here to protect you. So, you know, you did all of this, which wasn't my doing to us and made us feel this way. So, you know, it was, it was very hectic. It was, it was hell on wheels. Hmm. And then you said in the book that mom changed. So the whole lifestyle changed. What was, the, what was your mom's lifestyle like um, after dad moved out? Oh, after dad moved out, my mother started, this person was still in the picture, which was fine, but she started just changing emotionally, and little did I know that she was getting more into the black art of witchcraft, and, you know, things just totally went downhill at that point. Um, you know, you're, you're talking, you know, learning this, what, back in those days, that was a big deal, so, you know... It's unlike what you call these days, but she was really studying that. And to me, she was getting very, very wicked. There was, like I said, nothing I could do to please her. Absolutely nothing. Right. And you said she had a huge following, too. They kind of like worshipped her. Am I correct? You are correct. She did. Hmm. Hmm. So tell us about that part that, that um, you want to talk a little bit about the part that... Um, that I may have uh, read that was going to run me back in the room with my husband. You know what part that was? <laughs> when you peeped out the bedroom door one night, something that you seen that, that actually terrified that blew me, me at, away. Three the, at three in the morning. Actually <laughs> yes, I, I will talk about that little snippet. Uh, okay. There was a time I had gotten older. 
And, you know, life was going on. You know, it wasn't easy, but it was going on. And we were sitting downstairs, and my mother rushed us all into a bedroom and said, close the door. And back in those days, your, your keyhole, the little peephole, we called it, was pretty large because they had those large keys to go with them. And I'm peeking through the hole. Of course, I'm peeking through the hole. And I see them bringing my aunt into the upstairs, but they're leading her with a dog chain. And she is just barking and slobbering. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? So I peek. Now I got to open the door to make sure that I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And my mother literally said some choice words and told me if I didn't get back in the room, that would happen to me next. I did go back in the room. Oh, my goodness. See, I did read that right. You I did. didn't go back in the room either. I was ready to go back in my room, and I couldn't even get out. <laughs> well, Just imagine to- that and trying to identify with, I'm not understanding this. This doesn't look, no, something's wrong with this picture. Right, right. But then to just skip for the speed forward a little bit, um, Dad, eventually, he comes back. He does start visiting, and you and your father, you guys reconnect um, by the time you were, what, a teenager? When you're a teenager, you definitely reconnect. And he's a, a strong support system for you. Am I correct? Yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what was going on when Dad came in. He's always been like your hero. Um, he's my hero Uh when he would come to visit you know it would it would be so much tension because the other kids kind of stayed away and I was just all over him but you know it was that feeling that my mom was always watching me she was always giving me that nod like go ahead I'm waiting for you to go off (laughs) she'd Uh reel it back in he wouldn't stay very long because there was so much tension between the two of them. And when he left, it was just, it seemed as though each time he left, the time for him to come back was just getting more and more time in between. And he was my hero. Everything that I went through, I always thought, what would my daddy think? What would he do? What would he have me do? Wow. That's that's just um it's actually it's actually very sad. We have so many children. We have so many fathers who, um, in some cases, and, and even mothers, where we feel like I have this one group that comes on the show, parental alienation, and these are parents that have been alienated from their children. But you know that it's a sort of like a silent group. But these people are actually out there. There are some parents that are actually alienated from the children, unfortunately, because of the other parent. They can't be around the other parent. So that's and, another And like sh- you said, that, that is unfortunate mm-hmm. because it is hard as a child. Let, I'm a female, and it was hard for me. So I know it's hard for people with young men. Because you need that support. There's nothing like, yes, as women, we can raise our children, but there's nothing like the father. That father figure is so important. It was so important for me. My life went into a total tailspin without that. Right. Right. I, I can imagine that it did. Tell, tell us a little bit about the, the, um, the tailspin and how dad was there to help you with that. 
when I when the tailspin hit, it, it was you know the abuse was coming. I I didn't always want to share that with him. You know I made downplay it and say I was getting a spanking, but I was getting full fledged abused. Mm-hmm. Um, it was to the point where we had a large house and my mom would let my siblings sit but watch me clean. It was to the point when she had guests, I had to eat last of whatever was left. So it it got pretty bad, but I didn't share everything with him because my father was aggressive. So I had to be careful. I I had to be mindful of how I said to him. But I, I always think that he could read in my eyes how miserable I was in the house. Wow, that is that is just so that's so sad, you know. And um, back in those days, I actually, I, I actually knew a, a few kids that that assumed that position. You never asked anything about it. it would be, uh, I I actually knew a, a group of of girl of like four sisters, and three of them always had the most beautiful ribbons on their hair, and then there would be one whose hair wouldn't be done. And it was just something that was just not talked about in those days. People actually, you know, there would be one child that would be sort of left out like that. I've seen that. Um, We have three minutes before we're going to go to commercial. But um, you you received the worst phone call of your life. Can you can you tell us about that in these um, in these three minutes going to commercial, what, what happened when you received the call, where you were at that, that time in your life? We received the call that we had to rush down to my aunt's house. And by then, you know, we're talking, now we're in the 70s. And that call was to say that they had, my, my father was this loyal type person. He had never been absent from his job and he didn't show up so we received the call my mother sent my brother down to see what was going on actually well he didn't show up for this job what's going on and my brother found my father murdered um in his apartment that call changed my entire life my entire life Mm. that point I went into a total state of, I really can't even tell you, it's as though I couldn't function. Um, We had to go to the house, and I will never forget, I'm standing there, I'm looking around and at his stuff, and I'm standing on this rug, and I looked down, and the blood had seeped through my shoes. And I think I don't remember anything but walking away at that point. It was, it was pretty devastating. I can imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't even imagine. Okay. On that note, we are going to take another deep breath. <sighs> Come on, take one with me. You taking one with me, aren't you, Minister Trafton? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. And we are going to take a pause for the for a commercial break. When we return, Minister Phyllis Trafton is going to talk about the murder of her dad and which witch did it. We'll be right back now. Don't y'all go nowhere now, you hear? 
Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back. If you are just joining us, we are having a live interview with Minister Phyllis Trafton, who is the author of Daddy's Little Girl and Mommy's Dreaded Seed. And I want you all to know the book is available now. It can be read immediately on the Kindle at Amazon. Um, You can be reading it while we're talking. She is committed to helping those who struggle with adversity in their family settings and do not see a way out. Okay, Minister Trafton, tell us about you were talking about the murder of your dad. Yeah. That was hard. That that took me into a tailspin, as I was saying, in my life. That was a big change. Um, and the you have to get the book to find out the little snippet that uh, I would throw you away. But I didn't question it until I had heard a family member say that hmm, this was strange. And they thought that someone we all know and love had something to do with it. That was a lot to digest. That was huh. a lot to digest. Yes, I can imagine. Someone, they, they figured that it was someone that you knew. And so you kind of had, had a little idea back then. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, are, are you kidding me? Because it was nothing. This was, this was horrific. This was, uh, you know, you, you, when someone is stabbed that many times, you know, it's a crime of passion normally. Right. And I believe it was, what, a hundred, over 100 times? Yes, it was. My, 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 my. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. You are also, you also wrote 
The Suicide Survivor, and that was a book which evolved out of a life that was consumed with this pain and the abuse and the murder, murder of your father to a life of, of, um, of an overcomer through Christ who restored you to wholeness. Tell us about the, the uh, Suicide Survivor book. Well, you know, as life went on and as I got older and, you know, I got married and I had a child, I was broken. You know, sometimes you don't find out how bad you're broken until you try to go into a life. Yes. When that happened, I was just spinning out of control. I was functioning. Oh, I was functioning. But that was by day. Hmm. But... By evening, I was doing something else in order to keep myself functioning, and that went on, and that went on. I was miserable in my marriage. My first marriage, my husband was not an encourager. I was miserable there. Uh, I, I did what I could to cover what I was doing in order to cope. In order to cope, I met a new little friend called Cocaine. Oh. So I was coping. I was Dressed to the nine, I was carrying a briefcase to work every day. But during the evening, that tore up little girl that was never healed had to find a way to cope. So that is where the suicide survivor, I was going through life. I, I was doing everything on the outside, but from the inside, I was tore up from the flow up. And most people didn't see it. Huh. So that evolved into a situation where I was anorexic, but yet I'm still having to hide what I was doing during the night in order to cope with my own mind. See, a lot of people think that that word depression is just, oh, they're sad and gloomy sometimes. No, that's a hell pit that you really have to climb out of. Wow. Yes, you, you are so right. Yes. Yes. Been there, done that, wrote the book. Yes, when you're damaged like that, your mind is damaged, your decisions are damaged, <laughs> how you handle life is damaged because you haven't fixed what was broken. You're trying to put a Band-Aid on it. In my case, I was trying to put designer clothes on it. Oh, it looked good from the outside, but then the inside, I didn't think I had to look up from the curb <laughs> to see people. I thought I was less than zero. And I had to function that way. So I got into this pattern of trying to, nothing I did to end this, which was the only focus I had was to end this. Nothing I did worked but God. You see, it wasn't supposed to work. That's amazing. So I am a suicide survivor. Uh -huh. so what, did you, what did you start doing when you were, I mean... I mean, the cocaine itself will will uh, basically help to kill you. But um, I, did you yeah. did you make any other attempts where you deliberately wanted to just end it all? You don't have to share it if you don't want to. They can wait. And oh, get I'm comfortable. Uh huh. You know, I'm. I you know, I made several attempts. I tried to. I tried to slip my wrist several times. Uh, my my last attempt was when I tried to hang myself. That didn't work because no one told me I needed a special knot. No. That didn't work. <laughs> Ooh, you know, I can laugh about it, it now you know? because I'm delivered. <laughs> right. You said nobody but told me. at that you point, 
I also became a cutter because then at that point I thought, okay, I'm failing at everything. I didn't care about pain, so I started cutting myself. That was my last point because now I always when God, stop there. I always wondered about the cutting thing. Mm-hmm. Why do you what what's you know that that cutting that's obviously the person that's doing the cutting is in a lot of pain. That cutting has to be very painful. So what is it about inflicting more pain? You know, because if if I was going to end it all, I'm looking for some pills. You know what I mean? I'm afraid to. Um, I don't want to do the pain thing. I would be looking for a bottle of something to take. But what what was it? What, what is it with the cutting? A lot of people. It's and there are a lot of people that are cutters. Are they suicidal or are they just cutters? Are they suicidal as well? Or well, number one, the pills didn't work. I tried that. That okay. was another failed okay. attempt. But when you wasn't your time, cut, was it? <laughs> it wasn't yeah. your time. When you start to cut, you, you just don't care about you anymore. The pain is extremely deep. It's, it's not the cutting that's painful. It's your mind that's killing you. So you, you are so low that you don't value yourself. I didn't value myself enough to love myself. I didn't value myself to say that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm created in his image. That had not come into play yet, but right. oh, it did. So cutters, they're normally in a lot of torment. People don't see you. You don't think anyone understands you. You don't think anyone cares. So you don't care about you. Hmm. And imaginably so, that they're in a lot of torment. What are some of the telltale traits of a um, of a person who may be suicidal, just in case, you know, because we may be able to save someone that's listening to someone's loved one that's listening to the to the the show. I know as a nine one one operator, uh, the suicidal people they were one of my favorite calls, and I, I can't tell you why, but for some reason, I I was just always able to to talk to them on the phone and and have them stay and I actually have them at the end of the call uh, waving down the police. I had one lady at a shopping center and she was on a pay phone gonna end it all and I had the police officer coming and when by the time, long story short, by the time we got to the end of the call, um, she said, oh there he is. I said, can you wave? And she's waving at him. It was She was on a dark parking lot, you know, and so that was just a good feeling. But what can you tell People, what can you tell people that may be listening about the telltale signs of somebody that might be ready to just end it all? How can they well, identify? You know, you, you, you're very withdrawn. I wasn't engaging. I was extremely withdrawn. I cried all the time. Um, there was, there's just certain a certain look that you have where. You just look like you, you're always on the edge. You, you, you disconnect from family. And I had children. I disconnected. I, I just could not connect. I slept a lot if I could because that's all I could do to function. Even though I worked, I just didn't engage with anything at work, with anyone at work, because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel valued. 
You have to know your people. Um, one of the downsides for me was no one knew that. No one saw when I was anorexic what was going on with me when I just stopped eating. Hmm. I didn't have anyone that see it that knew me well enough to, to, to know me to say something's wrong with her. Right, and what are some of the telltales? So you got a smorgasbord of stuff you can help people with going on here. What are some of the traits of someone that's anorexic? How would a person, what were some of the things that you did that would help us identify someone that we might be hanging around with that's, that's anorexic? Well, it was a dramatic weight loss, but I always gave excuses. Like, um, you want me to go out to dinner? I could go, but because I could bring my food back up quickly, I always excused myself to go into the bathroom to bring it back. Oh. Um, because I, I just couldn't handle the thought of, it was as though I wanted the torture of it all. I, you would, you notice I, I didn't like using metal forks. That's another trait that I had. I preferred plastic. I didn't like it on the feel of forks on my mouth. Uh, it, it's several traits to that. But why? why? Is, that, is that something that a lot of anorexids feel that way? What, is, what does it remind them that they're eating if they feel this? What, what does that do? I think that sometimes for me, it was the taste of the metal taste was, uh, was strong for me. Mm-hmm. It, it was just I, I couldn't bear it. I it was I was faking it so much that you know you you're going out to dinner and and I I worked in a, a, a assistant at a bank, so we had banquets. So now I got to fake it until I make it. I would always order small portions, but I would always bring that back. But no one noticed the weight loss, and if they did, they didn't say anything. There was no one reaching back to me to say, well, hey, pull me aside. What's going on with you? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and you, sound, you sound like you were a you were a functional um, you were a functional addict. And you sort of sound like you had in the book sounded like you had like a type A personality. So you knew how to still run your show, too. Exactly. Is that correct? Mm hmm. That is correct, and so nobody saw it, or, you know, so I thought nobody saw it. Even when I was hospitalized with that eating disorder, I blamed the eating disorder, not the cocaine. Hmm. So they didn't know that piece of me that I'm thinking, okay, I've got to share with them something to get out of here because i got to get to my little friend. i got to cope, so I just gave them any information I needed to be released. Right, they call that the dopamine moves. <laughs> I did the move. <laughs> they call that the. Do- <laughs> then I did okay. the move. <laughs> okay, we're talking to Minister Trafton. On that note, we are going to take another deep breath and a pause for a commercial break. And when we come back, Minister Trafton is going to tell us where we can get some of these wonderful books at. She's also going to talk about her Feed the Hungry ministry and her Overcomers Network called The Daily Lift. We'll be right back now. Don't y'all go nowhere now here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Minister Trafton. Minister Trafton, tell us, you also have a Feed the Hungry ministry where you give food and clothes to, the, uh, to those um, who are living on the streets and in shelters in, Baltimore, in the Baltimore City area. And I know it is really bad here because now I got to actually, when I get ready to go out, I have to make sure that I have money like in my pocket or in my armrest because I don't want to go in my purse. But as you, you know, just riding along your normal route, you just have so many people that some of them people say are playing games. But I say if you're out there in in 100 degrees and you're looking like that, there's some type of need. And so me with my little dollar, and every now and then, sometime I go big, I do five. <laughs> but I mean, I ain't asking no questions about it, you know. But tell us about your Feed the Hungry ministry. Well, you know, I go downtown at least a couple of times a month, normally on a Sunday after I come from church, and I cook within my own kitchen and especially let's say it's a holiday like um towards thanksgiving then i'll make a large pan of mac and cheese from scratch yams chicken and a friend of mine and myself we go down and we feed them it's just it gets more and more people but the heartbreaking part is now and then you see children yeah you do see Um, the children you do see you do and that's hard Uh that's very hard 
You know, when, when we have clothing, we'll collect, we'll take coats down, blankets down in the winter, gloves down. I'll get um, cases of socks and take those things down. So that is some of the things that I, I feel as though I need to give back because no matter what I do, I, I want to give God the glory. Right. Because he's taken me from a place of just destitute to where I am today. And I thank him for that because without those tests, I would not have a testimony. I wouldn't have a passion to do what I do. Don't be giving me all these uh uh-huh moments now. You're going to get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that was a tweetable moment. Tweet, tweet. (laughs) Yes, it was. I'm telling you. I am telling you. Now, you also have the Overcomers Network. Um, It's called the Daily Lift. And I I see a lot of your posts out there. They're always so inspirational. Tell us about the Daily Lift and how we can get a Daily Lift. Well, you go to www.phyllistrafton.com, and I blog daily. Um, pretty much, I'm, I'm trying to encourage people. You can, you can make it. You know, just just know who you are in Him. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You don't have to stay this way. Bring your self-esteem up. Know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created in His image. You are unique. There's nothing wrong with you. You, you have to tell people sometimes because we suffer and some of us we go to church we know all the protocol but we're still on the inside to up but you don't have to stay that way mm, i'll never forget walking now. in set the captives free i've been with my pastor dr apostle dr karen bathia for 16 years and i walked in those doors torn up but she did not give up on me mm, now i'm familiar never. with her. I'm familiar with Apostle Karen Bethea because that's one of many of you know that I attend Bedside Baptist. And if you don't know where that is, it's directly across from St. Mattress. But Dr. (laughs) Karen Bethea is one of my Bedside Baptist churches. I don't get out there in the church very much, as much as I should. I'll put it to you like that. But I always get a service in and I, I knew when I found out that you came up under her, I said, this woman is going to be no joke, can't be nothing but the truth. So no, anyway, I, I, I knew that for a fact. Tell us about these books, where we can get these books at. Um, the, the Mommy's Dreaded Seed. And you said that Mommy's Dreaded Seed, I guess they should read that first. And then that's like a part one. Is that part one and part yes. two? How does that work? It's like part one and part two. Uh, Daddy's Little Girl, Mommy's Dreaded Seed was first. The Suicide Survivor was second. Uh, you can also, like I said, go to my website, www.phyllistrafton.com. You can also contact me for prayer or word of encouragement at ptovercomersnetwork at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Phyllis Trafton Overcomers Network, and you can find me on Instagram as Holds It Down. As as what is it on Instagram? Holds It Down, which is what I do. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. I really love it. Now, we still got a little more time here. We're not going to run you out the door too fast because I tell you, it has truly been a blessing 
to have you on the show. It's not often that, um, you know, well, it is often because we try to transform people, transform relationships on the show, but it's not often that a person can just come right out and get upfront and, and personal as you did on the show. And it, it truly amazes me when, when people can be their authentic self because you don't get a lot of that in the world today. No, you, know? you don't. And, and I know, like you said, that, that had to be a cleansing experience to be able to go back into your childhood and ultimately help other people because you're definitely not alone. It may not have been mommy's little girl and daddy's dreaded seed. It might be daddy's and could be the other way around. But, you know, we all have our story to, we all have our story to tell. And I believe that this journey that we take in life, these things that happen in our lives, they all happen for a reason. And that may have happened to you as one person. But your story and your testimony, how many people is that story and that testimony going to actually be able to ultimately help? And it looked like you, you, um, you're a strong woman. You <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, you know what? It's, it's in him that I live and move and have my being. Right. It's in him. It was, yeah. I wouldn't, you know, even as hard as my life was, I wouldn't trade that because... That was my testimony. See, a lot of people think that you have to come up on the church pews, but you don't. You have to know and memorize scripture. But let me tell you, if you can't memorize the address of scripture, you can tell someone what he has done for you. Yes. You always have your testimony. And don't shrink back because your testimony could help get someone delivered. That is so, so don't be true. ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it at all because it can help someone be delivered. But I do want to make sure I thank my husband, Robert Trafton. He is my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. He does everything for me. He is just a sweetheart, and I have to thank him. Oh, that was so sweet. On that note, we're going to thank you, Minister Trafton, for coming on the show. And we're going to thank your husband for being such a big support of yours because he's doing a good job. I know what you mean. My husband, he's my manager. He like, he say, you know, you did this the other day. Yeah, he's one of my biggest <laughs> supporters. One of my biggest supporters, too. I think my biggest fan. But anyway, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Minister Trafton. We definitely going to have to have you come back again. And I want to thank the audience for listening to another one of Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations on Voice America's Empowerment Network. Now, y'all remember, tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, y'all go out there and purchase the books because I'm going to tell you as an author, we cannot continue to produce books if you do not purchase them. Toodles. Thank you for tuning in to Tamar's Relationship Transformation. Please join host Tamar Neal again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here again next week.